Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Our topic, and in fact the book that we're using this month, is You Are the Answer. And someone has already cornered me in the sanctuary today saying, yeah, but what's the question, right? (laughs) It's not so much that the answers aren't within, but are we asking the right questions? And I am going to talk about that today. So thank you for picking up on that. But you know, it goes beyond even asking the right questions. There are so many different parts to us. Have you noticed in some areas in our life where our best cheerleaders and other areas in our lives were so self-doubting and critical? I, I mean, I, I suppose in a way it, it, it allows us to see different aspects of the world because there are different aspects of us that get focused on the world. So it's not surprising, I guess, that that sometimes there's almost like a little war going on in our head, that both the cheerleader and the person tearing us down, the, both the person that's there uh, seeing the vision as being bright and beautiful ahead, but also the person that, that fears for the worst, all at the same time. It's amazing that we all don't need medication to get through the day, right? Just to calm down some of the messiness that's going on in our head. Well, today I want to talk about this idea of you being the answer in the overall context of this month. So this month, we've been talking about ourselves as having a soul's purpose, about our life having purpose and meaning to it. And of course, if we're derailed in that, if too much of that uh, cognitive dissonance is going on, it's hard for us to actually be of use to ourselves in the world. If we have that self-doubting element that is interrupting us, if we have those uh, those fears that are there that keep us from achieving some of our dreams, well, it doesn't matter if we have the answer, right? It's like we're not even going to ask the question. So I want to start maybe in a weird place. I want to start by talking a little bit about brain science. You know, we call ourselves the science of mind, and every now and then I throw us a curveball and just talk about plain old ordinary science. Do you have any idea how our memories work. I did a little research on this. It mentioned it in the book, and I did a little additional research. When we capture a memory in our mind, when it's it's sort of laid down in the brain for us, there's several different elements to it. And, And we probably are only really aware of one or two of the five or six elements that goes with storing a memory in our head. Now, the most obvious one is just what happened. And, and if you've ever maybe been hypnotized or something, you can actually remember in amazing detail what happened. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. When you store that in your brain, you also store it with a bunch of labels. And I'll try to use an example. I still remember my first junior high school dance. And we'll get in in a minute why I remember it, probably. Um, Yeah, exactly. So when that memory got created, in addition to what happened that night, 
there were what I might think of as labels that went with it. So, so it got labeled as high school dance. It got labeled as asking a girl to do something with me. It got labeled as, a, well, it, it was, for, for instance, it was the first time I ever met a couple of my teachers socially, right? They were like chaperones that night and had brought their wives. And so it's labeled in a variety of different ways. And that's good because I can access it that way. If I think of teachers and I think of those teachers, I think of that dance where they were there. If I think of school, it's tagged that way. And I go, oh yeah, there was that dance I went to and so on. So it's the memory, it's the tags. Guess what else? It's my made up story that also went with it, right? So there's what happened, but then there's the story that I tell about what happened, right? About how scared I was and asking that girl to dance, about a variety of things that happened that night. Not only, not only is it what happened, but how I felt about it, what I thought about it, what I concluded about it. Totally made up stuff, if you get my idea here. I mean, it was true for me, but it wasn't necessarily a fact. It was more about what I'm feeling. And then the other thing that's stored with it, which I think is very interesting too, are linkages to other memories. So for instance, I had a good time that night, and so I have that linked to other good times that I have. And it's not surprising that many years later, I took some ballroom dancing classes, right? Because I had the associations of that dance being very pleasant, both socially and a form of exercise and so on. So in a way, it set me up later in life for doing things like that, a pleasant memory. So it creates also associations to other ways of thinking. So now when I think of throwing a party, well, of course, for Divine Dining Party, we're going to have dancing this year, right? Why would I think of that? Because of the associations that I had pleasantly that started so long ago, even in junior high school. Okay, so I think you have an idea of how memory works. I got to tell you, this is the most amazingly positive thing on the planet, and it is the most amazingly negative thing on the planet. So let's get into this a minute, because it is our memory that both gives us a leg up, and it is our memory that chops the legs out right from underneath us. And we need to understand that if we're going to achieve our dreams, if our idea of moving forward with a life's purpose is going to have any traction, we have to understand how our memory works. Now, Sean tipped us off in his prayer. He mentioned one of the fundamental principles of science of mind. Principle is not bound by precedent. And in fact, would you repeat that? Principle is not bound by precedent. If you really only learned one or two things about science of mind, that would need to be one of them. And what it is simply saying is that our goals in life, where we're looking forward in life, the principles that we adhere to, the values that we hold, are not predicted on our success or failure in the past. It's basically saying that each day we get to start over. And you'll remember last week, uh, actually two weeks ago, we were talking a little bit about qualities of God. And you'll remember some of you got this little handout that talked about the different qualities or principles that God exists. And so some of the principles of God, for instance, are abundance, balance, beauty, creativity, freedom, and so on. What this particular principle is saying is if you are engaged in any of those activities, 
whether you've been successful in the past, whether you have been a failure in the past, it doesn't matter. God will absolutely work for you and as you to bring about more love, more light, more joy, more peace. It doesn't matter whether you've had a bad experience in the past. It just doesn't matter. God, every day is new to God. Every day God would support you in making the world a more beautiful place, a more abundant place, a more loving place. Back to memory for just a second. Here's the bad news. For whatever reason, it was decided somehow that negative memories, you'll remember when we store memories, an emotional impact goes with it, what we were feeling about it. For some reason, it is six times easier to remember negative things than positive things. I know. Some of you right now, what is it they say in the Bible? You're weeping and gnashing your teeth. I agree. I could not agree more. It tends to bias us towards thinking that we won't be able to achieve what we want to achieve because we're remembering more likely how we have failed in the past. Now, if you were to somehow objectively edit your memories, you would discover that probably you have way more positive memories than negative memories, and yet on some days it won't feel that way. On some days it's just so much easier to recall the bad dance that you had in junior high school instead of the fun one that I related to you. It'll be much easier to remember the argument that you had with a loved one than all of the positive interactions you had with the loved one. And that is why not only is it true that principle is not bound by precedent, not only is it true that we're not bound by our past, I would say it's in everybody's best interest to really skeptically look at our memories of the past, in particular when they're negative. Because those negative memories are biasing you to a factor of one in six to think you can't do things, to think that you'll be a failure, to think that the interaction will go poorly or that you're not smart enough or good enough because it will be so much easier for you to remember those failures than the successes. So you see, not only is the idea of principle not being bound by precedent important, but it's really, in a way, something you need to take up as a banner in your own life. It's like when you find yourself lacking in some way, ask yourself, is this just because I have a faulty memory system? Is it just because I'm remembering the, the five times this went wrong and not the 30 times that it went right? Do you see where I'm going with this? If we want to achieve our goals in life, so often what is holding us back? It's just us. It's our own thinking that I won't be smart enough, that I won't be savvy enough in business or, or lucky enough in love. Well, I got to tell you, all those things you are capable of, but you may be telling yourself based on this faulty memory mechanism, that you're not up for it. Well, I'm happy to say that however God has a memory, it doesn't work that way. 
Every day to God is a fresh, capable, 100% supported start. And if you launch yourself in to each day with the certain knowledge that when you are acting on behalf of spirit, spirit will support you, there will be nothing that can hold you back. When you know in your heart that today is a day that you're going to bring more love into the world, oh my gosh, you will be so successful. You can't not be successful because it just blows away any thoughts of the past. It just blows away because God will be there right for you. You're acting on behalf of God to bring about more abundance, more love, more light, more joy, more beauty, more peace. When you are acting in that sense of principle, what has gone before can so easily fade into the background and you can achieve your most most wonderfully held dreams, and really fulfill your life's purpose. Back to this idea that we have everything inside of us, because now I want to get a little more practical, because some of you, I hope, are saying to yourself, well, this is a great theory, Larry, Uh, but, but how do I get beyond this memory thing? I'm not used to questioning my memories. I'm not used to thinking, well, is this the one in six that I'm remembering that I shouldn't be remembering? And well, so what? Then what do I do with it? If I can't really recall the positive memories, where is this going to go? Well, I think I have a process for you that's a pretty easy one. And you can imagine this being your homework too, because of course it is. And I do like to assign a bit of homework. When you feel a lack or a limitation, let's just assume, because I think probably close to 100% of the time, when you feel a lack or a limitation on yourself being able to do something or to be something or to achieve something, I can't help but think because of this memory thing that probably close to 90% of the time, the reason you're feeling that is faulty. So instead of looking within and finding the, the negative, let's look within to another part of yourself, which I call the intuition, which I call your higher wisdom self. So instead of relying on that naysayer that is, uh, it's almost wired into you to find fault, to find negativity, what I do know is your inspiration is connected to spirit. And when you put your inspiration, your, your gumption, when you put that part of you that is a little bit more playful, a little bit more loving, your intuition at work, you will get a very different set of answers. Our memory biased to the negative, our intuition, our contemplations, I think, are quite the reverse. And how might you engage that? I would go back to this list of God qualities. So when you're faced with a problem, a lack or a limitation, let's say you're working on maybe planning a divine dining party for this summer. Yeah, you could expect I might go there. And you're thinking, well, I'm not so good at at throwing parties. And there is that one, right? It's like you're picking out the one in six that failed and, and why maybe it would be weird to have people in your house or whatever it is. And I would say, well, wait a minute. What quality of God are we interested in in having in this divine party? And I would suggest it would probably be joy or love, right? And then ask yourself, how would love or how would joy 
respond to putting on a divine dining party. And just allow your inspiration, your intuition to go with that. Because love will bring you through it. Joy will inspire you to move forward. You won't need to worry about that one party that you threw, I don't know, 20 years ago when people came drunk and the punch bowl got turned over. And I mean, I'm sure you've all had that party, right? At least I have. So, so I know that's sticking in your brain. That one gross, bizarre, negative party is sticking in your brain. And you might even be thinking, well, what if that happened? Forget it. That's not love. That's not joy. And that's not even your own intuition. Your intuition would say, when I am planning to have an evening of joy, I will have an evening of joy. The stars will align. The food will be perfect. The entertainment will be sublime. And all I have to do is just be myself in it. All I have to do is be joy. And the evening will be joy. So let me recap here a little bit about what I'm talking about. It's a very different way, I think, of doing things. What we're used to doing is we contemplate doing things. Our mind starts making that. Remember those associations I talked about? So, so when I'm thinking of throwing a party, all the associations of parties start swirling in my head. The one or two negative ones are retrieved earliest because that's the way our brains work. And then I tend to go, okay, well, we'll just not do that then. Instead, I think we can rewire ourselves a little bit just to notice that. So when the first memories that come up are the two negative ones, and whether it's the idea of going back to school, whether it's the idea of being in service, whether it's the idea of dating again, you name it, when something new comes up, the first few things that are going to hit in your head through association will be some negative ones. At that point, that's the point that I want you to say to yourself, oh, here I am. I see what's going on. It's the negative retrieval mechanism. I see what's going on. And then I would invite you to switch over to your intuition. What does love tell me about this situation? If it's going back to school again, what does knowledge tell me about this situation? If you're imagining dating again, what, what does love and companionship have to tell me about this situation? Use that part of you that is not bound by negativity or memory. Use that part of you, that higher wisdom self in you that knows love, that is love, that knows joy, that, that is that effervescence of God itself, that is abundant, that is peaceful. Use that part of you that knows no opposition and move forward. So are we clear about the homework? Now, I always promise you a joke, and I think the joke will introduce us into this last little bit of uh, what I want to talk about today. So two old friends were talking on the front porch. We went to a great restaurant the other night, said the one to the other. They had good food, reasonable prices. You should try it. Well, what's the name of the place, asked his friend. Um, um, oh, um, um. It's right on the tip of my tongue. It's, um, it's that place over in Southeast, you know. It's, um, um, 
Shoot. Oh, oh, I know. Flower, flower. Help me with the name of a flower. Marigold, asked his friend. No, 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 no. Lavender? No, no, no. Not, not, that's not it. Rose? Rose, that's it. Phew, said the man standing up. He opened the screen door, leaned into the house, and yelled, Rose, what's the name of that restaurant we went to the other night? <laughs> And so, and so what I want to suggest is when you have forgotten, we are here to remember for you. When you have forgotten how powerful you are, when you have forgotten how peaceful you are, when you have forgotten how abundant you are, how beautiful you are, how loved you are, we are here for you. This place is here for you. The self-doubts will come. The, the fears will come. We've experienced a couple years in a row with a lot of fear and a lot of self-doubt. I want to suggest to you that that is one of the reasons we are in spiritual community. We have 12 licensed practitioners that are always available to pray for you. Reverend Marilyn and I are always here for you. And even when we're not here for you, we're still here for you. We've got phones. We've got Zooms. We, we can do what's necessary to remind each other how powerful, how loving, how joyous, how beautiful, how peaceful, how abundant we are. That's why we're here as a community, too. We're here to remind one another that when our brain short circuits, well, it isn't even short circuiting. It's actually doing what it was intended to do, I guess. But when that negativity boils up in our mind, allow other people, if necessary, then to be the memory of how wonderful you are, how capable you are, and how loving you are. So I'm going to close with a, a short quote from this book and a prayer. Michael Tamara says, at first, it may be hard to believe, but most of what you think, most of what you're experiencing as a reality is merely a mental image. Your mind is constantly working beneath your regular consciousness. It's always shooting out pictures from the past to try to keep you alive and together. The intentions are good, but unfortunately, the pictures have little to do with what happened they're just associations from the past. And when we forget that we're merely dealing with pictures from the past, we get stuck. We have such power and ability to make these pictures come alive that it's about the drama. It's about the negativity. We end up believing in our ideas of what happened more than in what actually happened. Once we realize that we're only fighting a set of pictures, we can consciously decide to release our hold and let them go. When we reclaim our energy from the pictures, they will no longer control our experiences, our actions, and our behaviors. Principle will not be bound by precedent. Let us pray. 
There is one power, one presence, one life, one goodness. All those qualities of God, whether it's abundance or peace or love or joy, truly all is God. And I internalize that. I claim that for myself. I am all of those things. And I am capable of of bringing forth all of those things for myself and other people because Spirit is working through me at all times. And as it is true for me, it is true for everyone. Everyone has that capability of allowing their past to just be past and move forward in our missions, our missions of love, our missions of joy, our our ideology that claims peace and, and love and moving forward in the world to make this world a better place with each passing day to allow ourselves to make an impact on our own lives and on the lives around us in a positive way. And I will simply for each one of us know that the past is the past and we have the ability to move forward in love and light and in joy. And so for this, I give great thanks. I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. What a pleasure to have you here today. So glad you're here. So now is our time of conscious giving. I invite you to take your gift or your tithe, whatever it is you've brought to share with us today. If you'd like, you can place it over your heart and just repeat after me. Graciously, I give from a place of love, knowing that as I give, so do I richly receive. And for those of you online, you can go to cslportland.org slash donate. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. We also have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the Online tab. We have a variety of content dedicated specifically for our podcast listeners. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at cslportland.org slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.